special day, absolutely a wonderful time, and I'm very glad to be here and recognize all these folks and to participate, and at this point, I'd say, wow, how am I going to follow all of that? But the only way I do whatever I do is in the Lord and in the Holy Spirit, so we'll just trust Him. Because we have a privilege today on beyond what we've already had. And the privilege is to talk about one of the most important concepts in the Christian faith. In fact, let me change that phrase. Not one of the most important concepts, but the most important concept. Now, why do I say that? Because Jesus said that. We know that in the midst of his ministry, he had these folks around him called the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And these guys didn't like Jesus very much because Jesus was turning upside down all of the traditions and all of the accepted legal kind of processes that the Jewish faith was exercising. And so they were always trying to get at Jesus. And so Jesus, we're told in this passage of Scripture in Matthew 22, that Jesus had been dealing with the Sadducees. Now this was one part of the Jewish leadership. And he had dealt mightily and wisely with them and had handled their questions very well. And they had kind of backed off. And now... The Pharisees, being the competitive people that they were, wanted to get at Jesus. And so the Pharisees decided that they were going to get one of their experts in the law and put this expert in front of Jesus, and they did. And this expert said, Master, what is the greatest commandment? Without hesitation, and I want to emphasize that fact, without hesitation... Jesus said, you're to love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul. And the second is just like it. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything, everything in the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, he spoke with absolute truth. He spoke with power. But I want to ask you, can you take that truth and power into your life as an absolute fact for you as a man or woman, as a young person? Can you say that in every way I am going to do whatever I can to love the Lord my God with all? Now, I'm going to stop there for a moment. All means all. Now, God is in favor of us being completely committed to him as an absolute top priority. Now, would you please say that he has the right to that? He is almighty God. And he is a jealous God. Now, why is he jealous? Because he loves you and me very, 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 very much. And he says, that he deserves all. And this commandment says we are to give all of our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength. And we must take that. But now I'm aware in my own life 
And I would imagine, I am assuming, dangerous though that may be, but I'm assuming that all of us might struggle with that. Because sometimes these commands are very, very overwhelming. However, and I'm going to read a quote here. It says in the Christian faith, there are many things that are stated with absolute certainty, but are hard to grasp. There are many things that are given with power of truth, but they're received with doubt. And there are many things that are issued as commands, but only serve to overwhelm us to the point of diluting or dismissing even the commands. When we say, I can't do that. How in the world can I give all of myself? To a God that I've never seen. To a God that I hear about at church. But it's hard for me to grasp. I'm a, I'm a struggling human being. And this God is talking about being perfect. And being right. And being with him. And giving him all. Now do you have an answer for the question? How in the world can you do it? How can I do it? How can anybody do it? And to be able to live up. To this command. Now I want you to just think about that for a moment. Because there is in fact. A simple answer. Are you aware that sometimes we make our Christian faith way too complicated? We try to figure it all out. That's our fault. We try to say well okay. How can I calculate this? How can I work with this? How can I do it? And we get stuck in the complications and all that we dream up for ourselves. To be honest, I'm asking you, how in the world can you give your all in absolute love to your Heavenly Father? And that sounds like an overwhelming question. That sounds like one of those things is spoken in truth, but the doubts just surface. Well, it's very, very, very simple. There is a short passage of Scripture in 1 John, the fourth chapter, we're going to spend some time there today. But 1 John 4, 19 simply says, we love because he loves us first. Now, I want you to hang on to that because that is the answer. And the end of that answer is there's no way you or I can do it in our own power. It's not possible. But we can do it in and through the love of Almighty God because He is all-powerful and He can share absolute truth in our spirits and our lives and our minds. And then we can turn around because He loves us. Then we can love Him. Now, I will tell you something. I've said it before. Even in the few days that I've been here with you folks, you are selfish you are sinful. I am selfish. I am sinful. We're born into a human experience that encumbers us during our life. Now, you also, I trust, are spiritual. I pray that everybody in this crowd is a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're not, then please see one of us immediately. 
because we've got the most important thing in the world to share with you. But I trust that we all are believers, that we have Christ in our lives. So therefore, and listen very carefully, this is a little complicated theology, but I'm not going to teach a theology lesson this morning. But the fact is, you are a redeemed person, and you also are a struggling sinner person. You got two natures, folks, and that's just a fact of life. And that will be a fact of life as long as you and I live. Now, when we die, we go to be with the Lord. Thank goodness. Our Hallelujah. He is coming back. And when he comes back, we're going to be spiritual beings. When we go to be with him, we're going to be spiritual beings. In him and in righteousness, we're going to have perfection in and through him. But not now. And so what happens here is we get a command like this that we're to love, we're to give, we're to do all of the things that we are commanded. And we end up saying, I just can't do that. But you can do that when you depend on the Spirit of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit and the love that He gives us. And so that is the answer. And so what I'm going to do for just a moment, I'm going to remind you, I know you know this, but I love to remind all of us, you realize that when things are repeated, and the more they're repeated, and the more they're repeated, and then if they're repeated again, then maybe I get it. But it takes that much to get into my head. You'll have to speak for yourself. But repetition is very, very important. So I want to remind you that God loves you in and through the person of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but, and I'm going to use a different phrase here, but will live forever. You do realize that you, you, and I do not have to die. Why is that? Because of the love of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And that is to be celebrated every day of our lives. And I am saying to you that when you realize that, when you think about that, when you live in that, then you're able to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So remember John 3.16. Now, it's also true that we didn't have to do anything to get this love and to get this guarantee of eternal life. Because in Romans 5.8, it says that, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So please understand that you did not earn this. I did not earn it. But while we were yet sinners, we were messed up. We still are sort of messed up. We still struggle. But while, so, while we were yet sinners, while we were still messed up, while we were not good at all, and whatever sin was in our lives, the love of God empowers us and makes us able to turn right back around and love him. Also, I want to read in Romans 8, 35 through 39. Beautiful, powerful passage. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now, have y'all had those kind of things? Shall trouble or hardship? Yes, you've had those. Everybody in this crowd has had trouble and hardship. I know that for a fact. Or persecution. Have you had any persecution? Now, I want you to think about that. And as you think about that, I want you to think about all the people in the world that are being persecuted because of their Christian faith. The world is full of persecuted Christians. Now, we're sitting here in the beauty of this place in the beautiful day with all of our friends and family around us. And this is not a place of persecution. This is a place of love and unity and fellowship. But I will have to tell you, I have suffered some persecution in my life. And Jesus told us that we're going to be persecuted. And we got to be careful because it may be coming. But still it says, Shall trouble, hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword, shall these separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Scripture says, No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Not just winning, but more so. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything, anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would everybody please say amen. Know the truth of that. This is scripture that I'm reading. It says nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And another powerful uh, passage in Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. And Apostle Paul here is praying for his people and praying for God's people and praying for you and me. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, that is the key. Now, I want you to think for a moment before I go ahead. Dwell. So that Christ may dwell. Uh, John 15 says abide. That means to Set up residence in your heart. To be there permanently. To be there all day long and all night long. Dwell. So Paul is praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. May have power. That is Holy Spirit power. Together with all the saints. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, it is saying in Scripture that if you and I will dwell, will have Jesus Christ in our life, that we will open ourselves up to the power and the truth of Almighty God, then we can love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul soul and all of our strengths and we can love our neighbor as ourself remember jesus said 
that this is the greatest commandment. It is the most important fact in your Christian life and in my Christian life. Now, I want you to think about it for just a minute, about this love that we're supposed to give to God. I've already said to you, but I want you to hear it again. It says that we're to love him with all of your heart. Now, what is your heart? A lot of times we say that's the emotion. Well, we can't conjure up enough emotion to love God with all. But when we submit to the Holy Spirit, he will do the work. The Holy Spirit will do the work so that our emotions, our heart will be all committed to Almighty God. And it says to love him with all of your mind. I want you to think for just a moment. What have you been thinking about the last two or three days? What has your mind been doing the last two or three days? Is it godly? Is it based on faith? Is it based on the truth of this commandment? Is it based on the scriptures that I just read to you? That we can trust and be assured of our eternal life? Or have you been thinking about the worries of the world? Or have you been thinking about your finances? Or have you been thinking about evil things? Or have you been thinking about, what have you been thinking about? But this commandment says you're going to love God with all of your mind and all of your soul. Your soul is your spirit. Your spirit, in all of what I'm saying, and this is something that maybe we don't know a great deal about, but your spirit needs to be committed and dedicated to the Holy Spirit, Almighty God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I will tell you that I was in my 40s before I ever knew much about the Holy Spirit. And I am very sorry to have to admit that because I was a Christian from the time I was nine. I had a rough time during my young adult years, but then I recommitted, recommitted myself back to the Lord when I was 23. And I became a student and a minister and right on up. But I still didn't know a great deal about the Holy Spirit because, and I, I hesitate because it was my fault, but I was not taught in my Baptist churches in the South. I was not taught about the Holy Spirit. I just didn't know much about it. Thank the Lord that in my 40s, 50s, and right on up to where I am right now, I have learned, I have received, I have known, I have, well, I received the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old and became a Christian, but I have lived in and through the Holy Spirit. And so when it says you love the Lord with all of your spirit, this is a commitment that you make to the Holy Spirit, just like you do to Jesus Christ, to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, because he's the one that will allow you, help you to love. And then in Luke and in Mark, it says you're to love with all of your strength. Well, what is your strength? It is your activity, the actions of your life, the way you behave, what you decide to do in your relationships and in your church. And so we are to love Almighty God with all of those powers that we have in our lives. And then Jesus said something really important. He said the second is just like it, that you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Now I want to sit here for a moment 
Sometimes when we think about loving God, we say, well, sure, I love God. I know he created all this beauty. I know he gave me salvation through Jesus Christ. I know that he gave me a family and friends and church fellowship. So we're able to move toward that all of loving Almighty God. But what about loving your neighbor as yourself? Now, I said to you one time before a few weeks ago that I believe most people think that, that this commandment deals with two directions of love, one to God and one to your neighbor. I'm sorry, I have to disagree with that. You'll have to decide what you think. But I believe it deals with three directions because it says to love God with all and it says love your neighbor as your self. Now, I have to be a psychologist for just a minute. I have spent 50 years sitting in my office with people that didn't even like themselves very much, much less love themselves. And there are people in this group right now that struggle with your own self-image, with your own identity, with your own well-being as a man, a woman, a young person. And this is saying that through the Holy Spirit and through all of this love that God gives us, you can in a legitimate, appropriate, humble way, you can love yourself. And the key is that, that God loves you. So if you don't love you, guess who you're in disagreement with? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Because don't you believe that God loves you? These scriptures that I just shared with you tell us that God loves us. And yet you and I struggle. Now, the fact is, there are two primary things that contribute to you not liking yourself. Number one is, you were brought into this world with a lot of inadequacies. You were a little person, about like this. Now, you walked around when you were a child in the land of giants. Folks up here. Now, could you take care of yourself when you were a little person? Could you feed yourself? Could you even change your diapers? Could you make decisions for yourself? Did you know which way to go? No, 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 no. You were bombarded with inadequacies. And you grew up with inadequacies. You struggled in school. You struggled in relationships. The boys didn't like the girls. The girls didn't like the boys. All of that contributed to your inadequacies. And you just felt, well, I just can't even like myself. And then it sometimes gets much worse because now we move to the second thing that contributes to your inadequacy. You and I are sinners. We make mistakes. We make terrible mistakes sometimes. We do terrible sins. We hurt people. We abuse people. We neglect people. All sorts of things that we end up saying, I'm a sinner and I don't even like me. So when you live with all of that, the fact is, 
is that you end up with the image, the sense that you just are not much good. Well, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. If anybody's nodded off and I don't see anybody, Clayton, I wouldn't accuse you of that, okay? You're, you're, he's sitting there looking right at me. Now, Gene, is he, is he in touch? Is he listening? Excuse me, I have to pick on people every now and then, Clayton. You just happen to get it right then. <laughs> God bless you, brother. But the fact is, is that what I want to say to you is that God loves you and you need to agree with him. Now, it's not a feeling here. It is a decision. It is a decision that you are a valuable person because of Christ in your life and because of Almighty God creating you and recreating you. You've been created twice in beauty and worth and worthiness. Twice. Are you aware of that? You were created as a human being with all the value that that is. You are created with the intelligence and the functioning that you as a human being have. And thank the Lord for the beauty of his creating of male and female, of man and woman, and of the human race. So you were created. Obviously, you're sitting here alive and breathing air. But you also were created a second time. Because you were created in and through the new creation of Jesus Christ in your life. So folks, I am making a firm case for you and I feeling worthy and adequate, not because I'm not any good. The Bible tells us there's no good in me. I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. But God says differently because of Christ in my life, because of Christ in your life. And in that, I stand before you in godly confidence in godly security. And I'm not any better than anybody else in this crowd. What I'm talking about is available to everyone. And in that, when you love yourself and love God with all, then you're able to, to move to the powerful finish of number three. And that is you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, who in the world is your neighbor? You look around a little bit. I'm going to start right here. Just kind of look around. If anybody wants to stand up and look around. I just picked on Clayton, but I might pick on Mike or, or who else can I pick on? There's Bob back there. Or Where is Kenny? Kenny, are you awake? You better wake up, boy. But look around. We got a whole yard full of neighbors. Isn't that great? you got men and women, young people here. They have done such a good job for us. And we are neighbors. There are people driving up and down your street out here. They are your community neighbors. we got people in other places around Virginia Beach. I spent many years on Arctic Avenue and Atlantic Avenue and the boardwalk ministering to my neighbors. Now, some of them, I wasn't sure if they were going to even kill me or not. And I'm serious. It was a tough road. But a blessed road because they are our neighbors. 
your neighbors that live next door to you that you don't particularly care for because they walk on your lawn or they take your dog through your yard or whatever they do. They're still your neighbors. Now, before I go too far about the neighbors, how about you husbands? Look at that beautiful lady next to you. She is your neighbor. Yeah, thank you, Kurt. And Peggy just reached over and patted him on the head. <laughs> but our husbands, our wives, our family, our children, these young adults that we've seen today, we're all neighbors. And this great commandment say, says that we're to love our neighbor and that everything hangs on the prophets and the law and the way of Christian people. And this is the greatest commandment that there is. So, before we, before we finish today, I want to go back to the passage of Scripture that that beautiful young lady read so well, and I hope I do it as well. Because in 1 John, the fourth chapter, there is this powerful statement. And yes, you heard it from her. Yes, you've read it before, I trust. But remember, repetition is very, very important and very good. So please listen with prayerful hearts, with commitment to the Word of God, and understand that this is all a part of what we're talking about today, to love God with all of our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. This is how God showed his love for us. He sent this one and, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Did you know that? His love is made complete in you and me. Now, if, if we're not loving, that means that we're slighting God's love and completeness. It goes on to say, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. Folks, do you realize that love gives you the opportunity of being participants in godly life? Do you realize that? When you love other people, this is God loving them also. But we in this world are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The man who fears is not made in perfect love. Now, I don't like fear. 
Now, yes, I like reverence for Almighty God, but that's not the fear we're talking about. The fear this is talking about is the fear that Satan puts into you and me and that we end up worrying about life. But in perfect love, it says that it does away with fear. The man who fears is not made in perfect love, but perfect love drives out fear. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yes, hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. We live under the commandments of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Now, sometimes you don't like that. Sometimes I don't like that. But it is the truth that we live as Christian men and women, as Christian families, as Christian young people. We live under the commands of Almighty God. And remember, He loves you. He does not dislike you. And when he commands us and we follow it, guess what we get? Peace and freedom. I don't know about you, but I love, I love peace and freedom. And in Almighty God and in our loving relationship with him, in the fact that he loved us first, and then we can go and love ourselves and love each other in a godly way. There is peace and freedom. Thank the Lord. Let's pray, please. Father, what a joy it is, absolute joy to know your truth. And to realize that in knowing your truth and living by your truth, that the truth will and does set us free. That we can find the peace of Jesus Christ. We will know the peace that passes all understanding. That will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That we will be more than conquerors as we experience and live in the love of your hand and your spirit. Father, how can we thank you for that? How can even the words thank you suffice? They seem so trite and so small. But I pray, Father, always that in my heart, in my mind, in my being, in the heart and mind of being in every, of every person that hears my voice right now. That we will have gratitude deep in our spirits. That will guide our lives. We will commit ourselves to you. We will give ourselves to you. We will love you with all that we have. And then we will be thrilled as you lead us and help us to love you and love ourselves and to love others. Father, thank you for love. What would we do without it? I don't even want to think about that. So bless this church. Bless these people. 
the church. Bless this gathering today with your words and the celebration of each other and young people and children and all that we've experienced this day with with great thankfulness. We are so pleased, Father, that you have given us this time of worship, of sharing, of fellowship, and of your message, your word to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.